Max White, everyone. See something funny. It wasn't funny! I guess I'll just call it Max White Presents. I guess it's decent. Yeah, Max White Presents will work. Awesome. We're live. We're here. Tenor Trap, Brooklyn, New York. Uh, we got a very special guest today. We got this uh, it's a funny comic, but he's also a uh, jiu-jitsu. Can you use the word master? Mm, I wouldn't. <laughs> well, your name, uh, it's Diego Lopez. Uh, I'm a fan of this guy's comedy. Thank I you so think much. he's real funny. I've, I met him originally through uh, the Bushwick Bears, who we're on a show together here. Great fellas. And then, uh, yeah, and then uh, Jericho, one of the Bushwick Bears, was mentioning that he uh, he's like, I got to train tomorrow, man. And I was like, what <laughs> the f If you know Jericho, he'll be on this podcast shortly. Training doesn't really strike is like the first thing he yeah, says, yeah, yeah. but he, uh, I mean, so he trains jujitsu with you. Is that, yeah, is he, that, he trains MMA with me. Yeah. Oh, MMA. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now are, incorporates are you an MMA fighter as well then? Or? I fought for a while. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what, what weight class are you in? Uh, bantam weight. I fought at 135. Okay. 135. And then how was that in New York or was it at? Uh, I was, yeah, here, but, uh, while I was fighting, it's illegal in New York. So I was fighting mostly New Jersey. Okay. Figures like go yeah. kick the shit out of each other in Jersey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Have you always had like a martial arts background? background or i mean you've been into that no not at all like i um i wanted i, I, I played hockey my whole life i was an athlete in that and nice. then i moved to new york in um 2009 and out of boredom i just my friend recommended a kickboxing class which is what he called it and uh i just started doing it from them so like i started training my first martial arts class was at 22 okay and then within a few years i was uh fighting Okay. Basically. Where are you from originally? South Florida. Oh, South Florida. What part? Uh, Broward County, like Fort Lauderdale, Miami oh, area. Oh, my mom lives in a Pompano Beach, Fort Lauderdale oh, okay. area. So, yeah, awesome. That's uh, that's weird how many people are from that area. Yeah. yeah especially, there's like, a couple a couple of comics here, like Schroeder and Will Watkins, and there's a bunch of people here. Yeah, that's crazy. They um, Actually, a couple of past guest skateboarders are from Pompano, and it's like, who who's oh, from yeah. there? Like and, the, the classic piss, Pompano it, Indoor Skate Park. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just, uh, I was uh, at um, uh, a show the other night, and a girl was from Plantation, Florida. And oh, I, I like, live there. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, yeah. There you go. It's super <laughs> weird. Everyone's from Florida. They just don't want to admit it. Yeah. Now, what happened? So you started, then you just you just quit. Oh, no, is it? You're good. <laughs> the mic gets in the way. Um, you uh, so what? You start fighting, and then what? You just get sick of the headshots and decide to no, decide to quit. Um, I like I was training a lot, like uh, very frequently. I loved it, and then I was like, oh, I guess fighting is the next step up. Yeah. And uh, I fought uh, like six fights or something like that. I, and it was the kind of thing where like, I knew I didn't want to fight for the rest of my life. I just wanted to, to see what it was like to do it. I want to see how I would react yeah. to being in a cage with a dude na half naked to fight me. Um, because as growing up, I was terrified of confrontation. I got, you know, I was bullied, no big deal. So you're from like a non-fighting <clears throat> guy growing up? Not at up. all. Yeah, yeah, not okay. at all. Um, uh, but I, I really liked what martial arts was doing for me. And I was like, oh, I should might as well test it for real. And then I had a fight or two. And I'm like, oh, I got to figure out an end goal because I know I don't want to do this forever. Yeah. And like, all right, if I win a title, then I'll quit. And then I won a title at my weight class. I was like, okay, good no enough. No way. Yeah. So walk us through that first fight, though. What was it like in terms of, I just grew up with like a lot of boxers. And mm -hmm. so like we went to school as Olympic boxing facility. So mm -hmm. like past guests on here have been like some boxers. Oh, cool. And uh, it's just interesting because they talk about how like even world-class fighters are talking about just this feeling of fear. And like until you get hit first and then yeah. like, you know, instinct kicks in. Is that similar to you is how it worked? To a degree, I think I, I was, I mean, you know, my first cage fight, I was 12. I was almost 24. Like I was okay. pretty much an adult. I was yeah. able to, like to, to understand that it was going to be difficult, it was going to be scary. But I did play a pretty high level hockey, so I knew what that those uh, like uh, that fear, that like nervous fear, yeah. was going to be like. So I wasn't that afraid of it. Uh, first fight was oddly 
easy in terms of like emotions. Like I just kind of hung out in the locker room and yeah. like people were hitting pads really hard and I was kind of just doing some like yoga stretches in the corner, just like, oh, whatever, a fight's gonna happen. And then did you win? First yeah, one? I won a okay. uh, rear naked choke in the third round. It was cool. F- friends were there. It was nice. It was in New Jersey. Um, it was the kind of thing where like, uh, I was never happy to win a fight. It was always just a relief. Like, all right, whew, Jesus, that's over. Yeah. And then what, so, I mean, obviously boxing is the same way too, but there's like quite a rigorous training program up to a fight now yeah. in terms of like, are you changing your diet around? So it's almost like you get pissed off. I just know yeah. like some box <laughs> that like deprive themselves of certain things uh-huh. to make yourself more aggro. Is no, that? I, I never liked the idea of fighting out of anger. Like, like I think it's a really terrible energy source to yeah. fight out of anger. Like okay. it lasts, it's just not, it doesn't, like, I fought because I, I loved what martial arts did for me it kind of it saved me in a way and it and it, i wanted to represent it well so i never fought out of those kind of feelings and like yeah i had to cut weight like i walk when i was fighting i walked around probably like 155 150 and weigh 135 so i had to clean out my diet but i are i'm vegan i eat pretty clean to begin with oh wow you're vegan yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that's so, so counterintuitive to me i think like meat eater yeah yeah like wow that's vegan so what so you're cutting so 155 down to what 135, 135 you said yeah. so what's that you just stop eating like, you just stop eating stuff that you know you don't need. Are you making uh, yourself puke? No, never that. Okay. I never made myself puke. Uh, most of the weight cut happened uh, like the day before or the, the morning of okay. of the fight. So like I would diet and lose like 10 pounds, 10, 15 pounds of diet, and the rest would be water the day of basically. Um, like, like let's say the fight was like at uh, 9 p.m. Yeah. At 10 in the morning the same day, I would go to the gym with my instructor and I would – Abilene oil, put on sauna suit, put on sweats, and wrestle and hit pads till I lost some a lot of water. <laughs> wow! And what always fascinates about this too is like, especially with MMA, in terms of like, I would venture to say there are more. I'm not saying you're hobbyist, obviously, because you're yeah. champion in it, but like, there are more hobbyist MMA fighters than there are boxing, just because in terms of like matches aren't everywhere when it comes to. I'm not saying they're everywhere sure. in MMA, but you still had to have this life. I mean, mm-hmm. in terms of like, you have to work and make money to yeah. live wise. So you have to basically manage your MMA career while yeah. you're actually having to like live life as a human in terms of how is that the balance has to be damn near impossible. How does it was, that work? It was tough, especially because I at the time I had a living girlfriend, so like oh, she wasn't getting the attention she deserved. I yeah. Was, whenever I got home, I was exhausted. Uh, I worked serving tables, so it's on my feet all day. So oh it like, shit! It was like I was tired, but it was kind of cool. Yeah, I was in New York. I was in my t- like early twenties. I was doing something very interesting and cool. So it was like I was physically tired, but mentally I was excited and 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 kind of uh, just full of energy in that way. Where like I'm doing something really fucking cool. Now is that pre comedy? Then all this is yeah, pre comedy. It's all pre comedy. So now this is something I was and I was like thinking about this episode talking to you was how is that change going from like uh, living with a kind of a dual lifestyle of MMA fighter in person, mm-hmm. um, and then now you're comic. And, you know, well, now you're an instructor as well, too. But, yeah. you know, it's, it seems like you're, you have practice living the dual lives. Yeah. And so how does that apply to comedy-wise? Is there any, any comparison I there? think it's just in, in comedy and, and, like, okay, so, like, training would, I would took place in the gym. So, like, I was there emotionally and physically uh, when I was there, you know? Like, when yeah. I left, I kind of put myself, took myself away from it so I can feel like a normal person. Uh, but, like, with comedy, it's kind of always hovering around me. We're like, oh, that's funny. That's weird. And it's kind of part of my life. But then while I'm teaching, I can totally push comedy to the side. Okay. And I think having a break from the things you're trying to do, like, 
if, if comedy is your only thing, I think it could be a little too much. Yeah. I think it's important to have a life outside of comedy so you have something to kind of step away from and, and kind of make you like recharge your batteries in a way. And I think it helps you relate better to bigger crowds because when you get away from like the mic scene here maybe yeah. and you work like a paying crowd somewhere else in the country or even here, mm-hmm. you're like, oh shit, I've been living life and now I can actually, you know, uh, it's like a general appeal. I think that kind of comes across. For I've just sure. noticed with comics, they're kind of here. What do you see um, now? this is always interesting to me because I would say a fair chunk of comics on stage will say like, I'm not, I'm not a fighter. You know, uh-huh. they're, yeah, they're yeah. not that at all. They never been punched. It's remarkable to me how many people have not been punched in the face, particularly in the city. Yeah, It's unfortunate. It, that, <laughs> so much program. In and I mean, place. I'm still a douchebag, but like so much of me was fixed because that happened when I was younger. You yeah. learn a lot, especially one that you're not made of glass. Yeah, you well, well, you learn you're not made of glass, but also you learn you're not invincible. True. That you're uh, a per- like it, it blows my mind how I, like I'll watch people interact with each other. I'm like, you know, you're like a foot away from him. Like, there's no no one here is gonna stop him. You know, like he could still punch you. It's, Have a little respect for I, the idea of violence as a possibility. Well, and just actually, I was just talking to this girl the other day about this because she was saying that she was at a bar with her friend. And this guy was hitting on her and said something inappropriate. Imagine that, 3 a.m. in a bar in New York. <laughs> and she slapped the guy. Her friend did. And she's like, it was so awesome. And like, I got anxiety. Yeah, I, and I was terrifying. just like, you have no idea what people are capable of. And yeah. like, and I was asking him, like, have you ever seen anyone get punched before? She's like, well, no, on TV. I'm like, you have no idea, like, the sheer violence of yeah. it. Like, just what happens when bone hits bone. Yeah. And uh, it's amazing, though, because the, the things people say to each other, particularly in this town, in mm-hmm. terms of like, go fuck yourself or something like that, yeah. it's just like, I find I find New York hilarious in a way because it has that reputation of being really tough, but in reality it isn't. There's so many people around you at all times that it's very difficult to feel like you're in real danger. Like I was on my bike and these kids like walked really close to me, like to like prove like teenagers to prove they're tough for some reason, and I kind of giggled. And he like called me name and I laughed even harder because like I could walk. You have no idea, sir. Uh, (laughs) But like. That kid thinks he's tough because I didn't say anything or do anything to him. Yeah. Be- only because I know there's cops around, there's people around that could stop me or that, that would you know try to do something to me. But like, if we're in the suburbs and some kid said some shit to me, like not me, but like like if you said something to an adult and they like no one's around, they're gonna fucking hate you. Yeah. So it's 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 funny to me that he will like. New Yorkers are so tough. Like, not really. Not in that way. Well, I think the general, like, uh, of most New Yorkers you're going to come across here are the only ones that are, like, out because they have money. They're not working all Mm -hmm. this. And they're probably not from here in the first place. Like, just some of the things I've heard say, like, I've seen a guy recently, actually outside the creek, he was shit-talking a dude while looking at his iPhone. And this guy was, like, overweight. You know, he had not done any exercise in a long time. Mm -hmm. And this was, like, a... He wasn't, this guy was in the, the, the guy that he was talking shit to was just passing by. And I think mm-hmm. he was like kind of drumping bumped into him. It's like one of those late night things whatever though. But people, I mean, this, the guy that was on his phone had one hand in his pocket and one hand on his phone with both feet <laughs> together. And I'm looking, I'm like, this guy could just push him with a feather and he's yeah. a good one, let alone that. Yeah. Is it, I mean, you are obviously a good, in good shape guy though, but you're not a huge guy. No. Do the people walking around, they have no idea that you're generally impending doom of sending where well, to I mean, pop off. To the, oh, that sounds so douchey. Like the kind of thing where like, I think people listening who don't know who I am, they're going to think I'm like a jerk that's ready to fight everyone. When in reality, I, I don't want to fight ever. Yeah. I think it's terrifying. I think fighting is awful. But I think people should respect the fact that they don't know how to fight. Like I, I, lo- I went to Hawaii and I loved it. And I was driving around and I realized no one was honking the horn. And I asked one of my friends who lives there, and I go, What's the, why, how come no one honks the horn? He's like, well, here, if you honk the horn, that means you want to pull over and fight someone. Wow. That means that you want to fight. That means that's, that's what all that means. So that's like should be. Everyone's super nice <laughs> yeah. because people are down to fight. Yeah. That's part of the culture there. Yeah. It's like 
it's completely inverse here where people yell the meanest shit to each other oh, on the yeah. street and they're in a car so they're safe and it's just like oh, you you definitely have never you, you don't want that at all you know you know that, that would be blown away for like well let's get out of the car let's you have oh, you obviously have a problem with me let's settle this then um, but that's not what people want. But that's it's interesting because my friend's uh, Eric Kelly, who's uh, he's been on this episode before Eric, too. What's up? He uh, yeah, Eric's awesome. <laughs> but he uh, his dad is like a you know tra- fighter trainer too. They're both from they're from Bedside. Mm-hmm. But uh, I remember his dad when I first met him. First, I was the only white person ever be in his house, so he called me a cop. He's like, "What's up, cop? What do you want, <laughs> cop?" He's so funny. And then uh, this guy has twenty seven kids. Wow. 27. He's busy. That's a right? high number. That's a yeah, very high number. It's so funny. But he uh, and. Uh, he was saying that if you, one thing he knows about certain people is that the word like suck my dick comes out in terms of people. It's like an insult to people. Mm-hmm. But he said where, where, where we're from, talking about him and Eric, where they're from, he goes, if you say that, you better be prepared to take a life or lose your own life. Yeah. It's just such a heavier thing. Yeah. And, uh, it's just so weird now how, how people are so bouncy about it. It's like, oh, yeah, fuck that guy. He's fine or whatever, though. And what, that, yeah, which in a way, like, in the grand scheme of things, cool. Less people are being stabbed for words, <laughs> like, for insults. I get that. I think that's, you know, it's obviously a step in the right direction. But it, it's the kind of thing where, like, uh, yeah, just be a nicer person. I know it's an insane thing to say, but, like, just be cool to people, especially strangers that you don't know what they're capable of. You don't know if someone's having a bad day. Now, do you notice this? Uh, do, you, do you experience this? Well, I've noticed this, with, like, like with fighters that I know. Like, not, not fucking bro fighters, sure, but, like, sure, people sure. train fighters. Uh, the way you carry yourself leads you to not have much trouble at all. People generally stay out of your way. Yeah, I, I rarely get anyone... Uh, giving me any problems I also i don't drink i barely hang out at bars unless i'm doing a show there so yeah. i kind of my lifestyle is to is already pretty clear of those kind of people but like i i was bounced i bounced for a little bit for like a few a few times for my friend's bar and i realized that since i wasn't a giant black dude people were rude to me and i'm like hey there's a reason i'm here you should probably <laughs> think about that for a second before you treat me like a piece of shit wow um but i think i've had people like because i have cauliflower ear people that are smart enough will notice it and be like oh yeah hi uh okay okay <laughs> i'm like no i'm nice i don't know i don't know i'm sorry yeah is it now how do you see that in terms of like okay being uh we're just gonna keep hitting on this fighting thing but it's just fine. it's just so interesting to me um when you see people that are like, let's say they're comics, they're like, I want to try, I want to try jujitsu, and they come in there. What is it like? And I mean, everyone's different, sure. right? And obviously, Jericho's like a big gnarly guy, but in terms of just pain tolerance, people like, I just know it's like I have a skateboarding background. I'm used yeah. to just breaking bones yeah, and eating shit all the time. But so many people, I saw this one guy, he was like a friend of mine, fall the other day, just like randomly fell, and he was bitching for like a week about it. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, dude, what's wrong with you? Like, seriously, do you need to go to the doctor? Like, are you brittle? And mm-hmm. he's just like, I don't fall ever. Think about it. And I was like, oh, yeah. Do you see that in terms of like, when you're working with new people? Yeah, like, to a degree. Most people, like, um, it, it's not necessarily, I don't think it's so much of a pain thing. I think it's a discomfort okay. thing. Most of our lives are set up to be as comfortable as possible for as long as possible. And when we're uncomfortable, like someone squeezing us or hugging us tightly or laying on top of us, they are like, they, they'll tap to things that are not submissions. Oh, and okay. I have to explain, I'm like, no, this is just me resting on you. You're, I'm not even doing anything yet. Um, but I understand that that's part of an emotional checkpoint they have to get through. Where early on in jiu-jitsu, especially jiu-jitsu MMA, obviously, uh, it, it's a kind of thing where like, if I apply, let's say, a rear naked choke, I haven't initiated the squeeze to get the submission, but my arm is in the right place. They will tap because, oh, you got me. And it's like, no, you're still alive. I didn't get you. Give yourself a chance to learn how to escape properly, and it's, I think it's that that fear of the, they know the pain is coming, yeah. so they want out as quickly as possible. 
Is that wow? That's that's much different than like boxing and like the experience I've had is because it's like choking is mm-hmm. even like a street fight. You can choke. I mean, you're used to it, but like it's such a horrifying feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's not just holding your breath. Like if no, that no, one has no, been no. physically choked before, yeah. I don't know what it is because you can hold your breath for a minute, say if you're off the street. Uh-huh. But is there something physiologically that happens? So, when you- so technically speaking, a choke is an oxygen. Uh, 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 strangulation is blood. That's what we do. We, we do blood chokes mostly. Okay. We, we stop the carotid arteries from carrying oxygen to the brain. That's why you pass out. Okay. So like you can hold your breath for like a minute and then yeah. pass out where I could squeeze your neck in a certain way and you'll be passed out within six to seven seconds. Jesus. And is there is long-term effects and damage from that? Uh, there's like some people, there's like um, Rhonda Patrick, she was talking about Oh, Dr. Uh, Ronder Patrick. Yeah, yeah, okay, she's already, on yeah, yeah. podcast. She was giving some insights into like it. Do, if you do it a lot to the yeah. point where you get choked out, it's obviously not good for you. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's not the same as someone getting knocked out with a punch. Obviously, yeah. nor near that. But it's not good for you. Yeah, it's, it's, not, <laughs> it's not. You're not helping yourself. It's not out. like weak breath. Me, yeah, yeah. But to me, it's it's. I'm kind of. Uh, I'm willing to make that exchange. Okay. Because of how much it's benefited my life, and 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 how much I've I've seen it benefit other people's. Well, it's interesting too that people will be like, "Oh, that's bad for me. I'm not going to do it." While they're sucking down seven vodka tonics that exactly. night, though, I've noticed that because, uh, yeah, it is interesting how people will trade one for the other and think yeah. it's kind of better wise. And it's like, yeah, this is fighting. You, it's going to hurt. to yeah. Get good at it. It's not. <laughs> well, now when you're training, because obviously you train people, but when you're trying, I mean, because it's obviously a constant improvement. Is there like a belt system that that works within jujitsu? In jujitsu, yeah, there's a belt system. Okay. Uh, it goes white, blue, purple, brown, black, and it's usually on average about ten years to get to black. Okay. Um, I am a brown belt, okay. and as of May, it'll be eight years for me. Oh wow. Um. Would that, that, would that be considered kind of fast-tracked? Uh, no, not at all. Oh, really? Two, two four, six, eight, ten. It's oh, okay, of, so it's, it's okay. how it is. I'm, I'm on track. Yes. And I've been, like, in the last three or four years, it's, I've been taking... Oh, no, not even. Like, the last two or three years has been definitely mostly teaching. Like, I've okay. taken a little backseat into my own training because uh, my goals have just changed. I'm not trying to be the best fighter anymore. I'm trying to be a really good instructor. Okay. Um, uh, I got promoted to my brown belt a few months ago, and it's like, oh, fantastic. But it's not like... A life or death thing where it used to be where like I needed to show people that I was really good at this where it's like I know who I am you know I, I know I'm good at this I don't need a belt to tell me yeah um, when now when you're training are you training with other brown belts and guys better than you um when I'm training yes when I'm teaching I'm usually the highest ranked person in the room how le- how high do you go in terms of like when you're training with other people like for your own for your own self in terms of pain like like are they are are you gonna pass out when they choke you out in those situations or I, uh no i like if we're training i tap when they have it and i have no means of escape okay. like if i really try my best to get out i'll fight it for as long as i can but once it's too it's too in it's in and i have to i have to respect the fact that uh they're they're doing their best to apply the submission in a controlled manner okay so i have to escape the submission in a controlled manner because that's where the skill is um, so like, let's say someone has an arm bar, uh, I want to kind of see how far I can go, but I, at this point I know how far my arm can bend and how much it's going to be until it's going to hurt for the next few weeks. Yeah. Um, what's the worst injury you've seen? Seen? Yeah. Um, first hand. I've seen a bunch of people get knocked out. Obviously I've seen, I saw someone step weird and break their ankle. Yeah. Um, that's about it. Okay. Like it, it's, it's weird how like the better you get at fighting, the, the harder it is to kind of injure each other because you, you understand where the, the real scary, like I tell my guys, there's nothing more dangerous than someone who knows one submission 
because they're so emotionally invested in getting it that yeah. they don't realize that they might be overturning or over torquing it and they actually hurt people because they 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 want that um that feeling of being the dominant person where as you get more advanced you don't care anymore it's not just about learning are you saying that so i guess more injuries are going to happen between like novices like practicing with each other sure sure you're, you're gonna like you know overextend your elbow you're gonna your rotator cuff's gonna hurt your knee might feel weird for a while um but in the grand scheme of my training, the only real injury I had was one of my fights. I got slammed on my elbow, and I uh, like overstretched my rotator cuff, and I couldn't use it. For, I couldn't use it for the, for the rest of the fight. And then, like a few weeks, I had to be in a sling. Okay, is that? I mean, I just kind of pay to play. It's going to happen. Wise now yeah. compared to when you're MMA fighting, right? Mm -hmm. Now you're talking about bigger injuries because there's more obviously striking. It's not as, it, well, I mean, it's a mixture of what, everything, essentially. It's, it's whatever works. Yeah, wow, that's wild. Is that, I mean, because MMA, how old is that now? Because it came from what, like combination of like Muay Thai. When was it first, well, like, indoctrinated? Okay, so there's a long, long history, but let, and I think the most accepted idea is that uh, professional wrestler from Japan came to Brazil the Gracie's family set him up with his business basically to repay the family. He taught their sons jujitsu, Japanese jujitsu. Uh, one of the sons was a little weak and sickly, Helio Gracie. And by watching his brothers do Japanese jujitsu, he adjusted it so that he could do it because he's weak. Uh, and in that, those adjustments made for more leverage and intelligence. Uh, that's how Brazilian jujitsu became a thing and uh, it changed the world. So, his grandchildren moved to America. Hori and Gracie moved to Torrance, California. Uh, and then he started training people. And most people he trained also had martial arts experience. So those guys would train jiu-jitsu and then go to their other guys. And like the karate instructors, their hapkido instructors, taekwondo instructors were like, oh man, this jiu-jitsu shit is crazy. You gotta come check this out. They were insulted by that. They went to the jiu-jitsu gym, challenged all them to a fight. Uh, which is called dojo storming. Like it's kind of a thing that people use. Dojo to storming. Yeah, That's yeah. a good name for it's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the, the Horian would be like, cool, we're going to film it. If you win, you get to keep the tape. If we win, we get to keep the tape. I'm not 100% sure if that was a rule, but I, from what I remember that is. Uh, and that's how they're called, uh, they're called the Gracie Challenge started. Wow. And those are VHS tips that got passed around all over the country. And then that's how, what the UFC became. Hold so on. the first UFC was 1993 or 91. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, and it became, it started as like Mortal Kombat where like sumo wrestler versus Savat. I remember watching the first one on pay-per-view with my friend. Like the guy got his tooth knocked out. Yeah, like the, the first sumo, shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that yeah. was a kind of like an eye-opening like, oh shit, this is real as fuck. It was different coming <laughs> from like like uh, boxing backgrounds to seeing like, yeah, oh fuck. Like I, I, I saw his tooth go. Gerard Godot, I think his name was. that his name? The Savat guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he, got, was... he got his foot infected because of that. The tooth Oh, like, just... That, I never thought about that. That's fucking weird. He's like and, a racist too. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what it was. Like a neo-Nazi thing or something. I can't remember. Wait, pre-tooth or after-tooth rot? I think the whole time. Pre-tooth. <laughs> the whole time the tooth just <laughs> changed you. Racism it's, infected yeah, him. Yeah, he got it. He cut his tooth. But then now you see this like MMA. I think it's kind of passed in terms of like streetwear, culture-wise. Mm -hmm. Like in terms of like your tap-out bros. I mean, they're still out there. Sure. You do see some affliction. Where are your affliction jeans? You don't have any? Affliction dudes? You don't wear any, do you wear any affliction shirts? No, 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 no. Oh, man, be <laughs> I so was funny. very anti-affliction yeah. stuff and I was always like kind of like a um I don't know like I, I never enjoyed any of that stuff and there's been a few brands while that was happening that was really cool like scramble was really cool okay reversal. tap out is that a cool no tapple's not cool tap out is basically the same thing yeah like yeah. reversal from Japan 100 athletics uh scramble from London 
um, cruise combat, like just really cool, like good graphic design, not like overly aggressive. Yeah, like good, Ed Hardy, yeah, like yeah. hot topic. People. I love Ed Hardy, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> like the tattoo As artist. Tattoo artist. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right, I worked at a tattoo shop, so I, okay. I got a good right. education on that. All right, so they had, um, but it's amazing. Like there's like this. I mean, I think people will. Certain groups of people will, will like, they're going to be wearing your No Fear gear, like mm. your No Fear shirts, and then it's going to go to like your Affliction tap out thing. But for you guys, not you guys, but in terms of like MMA people, the people that actually participated were almost dwarfed in size by these people that would just wear this stuff. Yeah, for sure. Being, I'm going through that right now with skateboarding, being it's like part of everything, you know what I mean? But the difference is it's like skateboarding is a passive activity in terms of it's not. You don't put a shirt on and be like, oh, now I can fight. And you see that, you know what I'm talking yeah, about? So yeah, 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 for sure. So is that, is that, I mean, it's starting to die down now too, but it just seems like seeing these MMA fights and the people that go to them, and I understand all people, there's a lot of people, you know, Joe Rogan, huge fan, obviously. But what is it about once you strap like a fighting thing to it and then a brand that kind of makes it, I don't want to say toxic, but you know what I mean? It's like NASCAR, but with fists. Yeah, I think it's the kind of thing where like, if you go to like a football game and people are like, we won, we lost. It's like, oh, you didn't have anything to do with that. But also, it's just a, f- a football game. But the problem with this is that by you rooting for a fighter, you also think you incorporate those skills, and that kind of makes you a douchebag. Uh, and I think it's usually the problem is by you wearing a glittery tap-out shirt, you're telling everyone, I'm the alpha male of this room, when in reality, you may or may not be. Yeah, wow. That's interesting to see how... I also realize how unfunny I am when I talk about fighting because I res- like I respect martial arts so much I lose any humor about it. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, I hope you didn't come here thinking you're out here to like bit no, me. I, so, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know what my brand is. <laughs> talk about fighting, Diego. Now, now, what do you see in terms of like tradeovers from like being a fighter, obviously, and then being a comic now in New York, right? So, well, what? Well, first off, what you moved to New York because of comedy? Silently. So I, ah, I wanted nice. to be a comic. You're smart. Yeah, you yeah. put a Facebook post out saying, I'm fucking doing it. I, I wanted to be a comic since I was like 11 years yeah. old. It's, it's something I knew I was going to do my whole life. Like my hockey coach would be like, you know, you have to do comedy. You have to. It's just insane if you don't. Um, and it's the kind of thing like I've, I've been obsessed with since I was a kid. And I moved here with the intent of starting and I was terrified of it. And then fighting kind of came along. I'm like, well, this has a shorter shelf life than comedy yeah. in terms of like my body can only do it for a certain amount of years. These are kind of the peak years. Yeah. Um, and I also kind of used it to distract myself from starting from stand-up. So I had to become a, a an, I had to become an undefeated cage fighting champion to start doing <laughs> stand-up comedy in New York City. <laughs> but in retrospect, I'm really happy. Like, yeah. My first open mic was two years, like in when I was 28. Yeah. Uh, so like, I'm really glad. I waited because I, I became a full adult. I understand how the world works. I understand who I am. So I'm not just like, no offense to little to younger kids who are just like, well, I can't get laid. Like, yeah, fine. But like, I, I just, I'm past that part of my life where like, I know what the fuck to talk about. And you have life experience to draw from. And I started late too. Like, yeah. I'm, you know, two years ago. So yeah. like, that's what's so interesting. And that's what I, someone had mentioned that to me that you were like a newer starter. Yeah. And it's amazing because you get comedy babies right they like start when they're like 15 like mm-hmm. great you've been doing it for 50 years Chappelle was a comedy baby yeah. obviously the best in the world but certain people like you know obviously Chappelle's a phenomenon but he's, like yeah he's an outlier yeah yeah you see to other the people highest though. degree but yeah yeah exactly and, but you see other people that are like you're like dude you, why are you so jaded you're like 21 yeah. And you're like, but you never had a job. Yeah. Like you, you look never... out of shape and exhausted. How'd you imagine That's that? 21 <laughs> before you even started like piling out, like really like had a chance to get drunk. And it's interesting because like comedy wise, I can almost, unless he's really good at it, I can usually tell who started when yeah. and, and how. Because honestly, I don't really care about what young people have to say. Yeah. And, and you're that... like really confident talking about how the bank was today. It's like, I don't give a fuck about the bank. Yeah. <laughs> like tell me something real, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. is that. 
Now, does that help you in terms of, I have this theory that I think people, when you start later and you do know who yourself are as a person, like essentially if you're your own person, you're not going to let six people at an open mic in a crowd define you as your person, your self-esteem. And it's just amazing to me because I mean, yeah, everyone has bad sets. And I think if you're not having bad sets, you're not really trying. But what is it about being an adult that makes it, I can't say easier because what we do is not easy. No. But it's different. It takes it makes the walk away easier. It makes the night yeah. of ho- the, the laying in bed and home after a bomb easier. I think it's because uh, I know a it's part of the process. Like uh, I'm a big fan of uh, the Book of Five Rings, uh, Musashi, the greatest samurai ever lived, um, and he was, he'd always say that if you know one way, you know all ways. It's all the same shit. It's all about sucking, thinking about it, getting better. So if you understand that process and you're okay with dealing with that that time frame of being bad at something, then you'll, if you just pass through it, you'll be fine. Hopefully, maybe not, who knows? But it's the thing that helped me where I was like, okay, I know I have to bomb, so let's go bomb. Let's just get it done. And that's what's so interesting that I love about stand-up and that I didn't know when I first started this. I had an idea, but I didn't realize like how many different levels of success there are. Mm-hmm. And like the, nothing in my life I've ever done is so fleeting as stand-up. You can have like oh, the yeah. best fucking five minutes of just like, yeah, that was so fun. And then you're just like, oh shit. Like, what's next? That's though? why I like doing multiple shows in a night. It's always kind of like a gamble because, like, all right, here we go. I hope the last one's the best one. That was like the first thing I thought of when I first moved here was like, New York's great because you can, like, you know, if you bomb, you only need like 30 minutes to wash the shit out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. Like, versus where, like, I'm from Michigan where it's like, oh, I got to wait a day, yeah. you know, maybe two. And you're well, just now like, imagine fighting where you get beaten up and you're like, I have to wait four months until <laughs> I can do that again, maybe. And, and yeah, yeah. And I got to train, yeah. <laughs> like, physically. I think there's something about people that, like, have particularly been hit in the face. <laughs> beat up <laughs> but the, it, it's a better attitude when they do come to it because you'll just say life isn't bad mm-hmm. for the most part for most people in terms of like you're gonna see especially if you're in a, if you have the facilities to like live in new york city yeah it's pretty fucking good especially yeah. if they travel around and i just see back to the comedy baby scene it's like 21 year old kids are just like oh what's the point yeah and they're taking that persona of someone who is uh like you know just there they're so cool because they're so jaded and yeah. don't care about anything. It's like, nah, you have to earn that, dude. <laughs> yeah, you can't buy cool. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, you can't just sign up for it. But it's, uh, do you, you know, what comparisons do you see from stand-up, similarities, excuse me, similarities between stand-up and your fighting? I would say it's the kind of thing where, like, it, it's the people who get good are all the same kind of people. It's, I always tell my guys, like, if you want to be good, just be dedicated. But if you want to be great, you have to be crazy. You have to sacrifice more than anyone else in the room. You have to make this all you really care about to a degree. And uh, so it's it seeing the type of people that get good fast have always been the same in, in my eyes in both things. Um, and I'd say that it's, it's failing, but failing consciously is an important part of it. Where like, let's say uh, I, need to, I need to get better at my takedowns off of my combos. You gotta fuck up. You gotta do it as many times as possible and see every error and see how you could fine tune it to make it perfect but if you just keep doing it on on autopilot it's gonna take you longer to get to the finished product whereas if you're starting off and you obviously don't know your i don't know what the fuck my voice is yet i'm trying different things so that i can figure it out as quickly as possible doing more act outs trying fucking accents doing uh different types of jokes doing different styles of jokes stories one-liners um that kind of thing i think failing consciously is, is the thing that has always translated to any of the things i've done I love that. The feeling, it's like you have to make the decision to suck to get better. Exactly yeah. like how you said. Is it interesting how it's so simple, but it's so hard because it's like you have to put the time in. Yeah. But anything, anything good, I guess, in life, 
Is. If it wasn't, it wouldn't be worth it. Right? right? You, know, you ever think was, about that? Because yeah. like people, when they're like, oh, have you done the celery yet? It's like, really? How, like, fuck you. How dare you? Yeah, yeah, I know. But it's like, how bad would it be, though, if you could show up and talk your way in? You know what I mean? Like, it'd it'd like, break my heart. It, wouldn't it? It'd break it, my heart. And that's what, and then another thing, too, is like something I like to add. Like, people that just start and they're like, you've heard this a million times. I'm like, I've got an hour of material after mm-hmm. the first, like, three months or whatever, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and you're like, really? Because when I moved here, I had maybe 13 or 14 yeah. minutes. And then I found out I had three. because you're like oh this shit's not well like i'm it's just a different style where you realize like i'm not shit everybody here is so good yeah um yeah it's just interesting how new york particularly can kind of break everything down for you yeah well i I started here my first open mic was in williamsburg uh and it was the kind of thing where like it's it's been a positive obviously and a negative as well where like i i never had any uh like i was never a big fish in a small pond i was just a fucking guppy this whole time. No, yeah, one, yeah. no one's looked. No one gives a shit about me, and that's fine. I, I, my idea is let me get as good as I can while no one's looking, and then one day when I want people to look at me, they're like, "Oh, who the fuck is this kid? Where does he come?" Like that's yeah. been my goal. Even though I'm not a kid, I'm fucking 29. I'm an adult man. I know what I'm doing. But it's just like my goal right now is just to be as funny as I can be, because uh, it makes me happy. I'm not trying to get a goddamn Netflix special. I'm just trying to be funny. That's, no, and that's this. it's interesting because like New York being like a training. Um, if, I think she might have walked in. Is that the girl with the keys we can cut mm, out? From? No, I don't think she's here. Oh, okay. No, she, so, um, no. Sorry, people. We're talking about this key issue. Um, my friend Allie Mikofsky is here. In shout York. out to Allie. She's a very funny comic from LA. Oh, really? She's doing shows here? Very, uh, yeah, she's here for a month. She's oh, hilarious. Nice. She's staying with you? She, yeah, yeah. She does the... Okay. You heard of the Kill Tony podcast? Yeah. I, she's one of the regulars every week. I bombed on it. Did you really? Yeah, oh, like in July. I want to uh, go the, there the, so bad. The panel went really well, but my Who one minute, on uh, Steve Simeon and David Arquette. Ooh. David Arquette. He was a bit like a drunk being weird as shit, right? Oh, yeah, it was so funny. Oh. Arquette was like, man, you're dark. I mean, it was all cool <laughs> afterwards, but like first minute, like, dude, we were partying all day uh-huh. and we just went there. We're like, who the fuck's going to get on this? Everyone at my table got on, right? Oh. It was in the main room, over 500 people. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I, you know, I, I never really drink before shows, you know, and then I was like, ah, oh, we're not going to get on. be fun to kind of hang out. And then they call and I'm like, oh shit. And then it's like packed out main room five. I mean, that, they built that room for yeah. fucking prior. Yeah. And then you get on there and it was just like, bomb. I mean, all me, dude. And then like after the minute was done and I was like, Bleh. and then the panel started and I just started roasting people. Nice. That's like my natural default. Sure. And then, you know, then it was fun because like Hinchcliffe got, I think I was on the panel for like 10 or 11 minutes. That's and then huge. like, just because like Red Band and, and yeah. Tony Hinchcliffe, they're all really cool. That's the most, honestly, the panel seems like the most important part. I think it, it's hard not to do ta- bad in a one minute set. Well, dude, you know what? I, you know, I would say that too, but I just know, it's like you knowing what you're capable of and knowing, yeah. and you're just like, I mean, it was outer body. That, to that point, mm-hmm. that was the worst bomb I've ever had. I mean, of course I bomb a lot, but there's something different when you're like, that. I counted out the minute in my head thinking like, okay, this will fit into a minute. And I had like 59 seconds. It's like one that it's like my, it's for me, my strong stuff that works. Mm-hmm. But if you're not right, just like in the head on it and you're not like on it, it just comes off. And people, this, uh, there's a girl that was sitting, whoever you are in the front row, you can almost see it on the, on the video mm-hmm. on the YouTube. She wanted to laugh so bad. There was such a great crowd there. You know, they fucking set it up so well. And I just, couldn't give it to her until the panel started. Then, then I relaxed. I'm like, I just fucking screwed yeah. myself. So now I'm gonna have fun. And then mm-hmm. it just, it was great. And then afterwards, it was awesome. My friend Guido uh, Saltarelli is an LA comic. He's, mm-hmm. but he's from Michigan, where I'm from. He, uh, the day he moved to LA last year, 
He drove straight to kill Tony. Nice. Did it, got on mm-hmm. and did like in Hinchcliffe's words, the best kill Tony sets I've ever done Whoa. in his life. Guido got like Good for you, Guido. hundred. Yeah. He got like hundreds of followers in like 10 seconds. And he's not even big on Twitter. And he's just like, dude, what the fuck? Like, and you can see him in the video. He's like trembling. Right. But then he <laughs> was, too, he was there when I bombed and it was so funny because he's just like, dude, I've never even seen you take one like that. Yeah. <laughs> so like, like, like to, to me, what like, uh, so kill Tony's been on for like three years now. Yeah. I started two years ago i was listening to that podcast for a year straight and just taking notes on anything tony was saying yeah he gave me such a good blueprint on how to write a fucking joke because i fuck yeah jokes it's insane because I, I, I was a fan of comedy my whole you know from as an adolescent on i didn't know how to write a joke i had no idea what they looked like on paper and he would say like write down your favorite jokes from other comedians just write them down yeah look at them on paper they're not magic they're right there it's just a combination of words set at a pace and cadence, and it's going to be fine. And it's like a bunch of people have given really good advice, and I try to write it down as much as I can. It's amazing. And it helped me a lot to start. Then, And the advice out there is like, so like Ari Shafir has a four-hour Q&A yeah. that he did, and it's like I've listened to it maybe three or four times. We're like, mm-hmm. oh, every little thing. And then there's like a Bill Burr meme about moving to an air mattress. Like mm-hmm. the first 11 months I lived here, I was on an air mattress. Yeah. I was like, that's what you, you have to change everything up. I lived in my friend's bed with him. <laughs> nice. Your friend's nicer than mine. He's I, my I best on, friend in the world. I was on the floor. So, yeah. but uh, no, James, they're awesome. But they, uh, uh, it, it's amazing though, like what's out there. And if you use it right, mm-hmm. like you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You yeah. just have to put the time in. But if you're willing to like make the sacrifice and do a bunch, you know, I think too, for me, particularly, I've been putting myself in positions where like you do learn stuff, like you said, like yeah. you're taking the notes down and like, it doesn't have to be like an epiphany. Like you learned it. It's yeah. just, I don't know. It's a weird world we live in. Can you imagine doing stand up in like the seventies or eighties? It's, I've, I've, I'll listen to like older stuff and like, what the fuck are you talking about? Where's the joke here? <laughs> yeah, sir? yeah. Um, like, yeah, I, I respect, yeah, yeah, I respect, uh, except for Henny Youngman, like everything, that's his still, his shit's still funny. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I respect them for doing it and paving the way, but it's just, it's so different. A lot of it's so different where like, it's like they're just telling short stories and it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know where to laugh here. Yeah. The, there's a problem too with comics now too. I've noticed that where it's the same thing where you're like, wait, what? Wait, mm-hmm. wait, what's going on? Wait, is your friend is she tall blonde? Allie? Yeah, she's uh, not tall, but she's she, right now she's blonde. She has black hair naturally, but she dyed her hair. There's she's a girl hair. that when I was on, she was a regular though, but I think she's done being a regular. Is she is your friend the newer regular? She so she was initially there was the two regulars, and then Allie was the next set of regulars, but she was underage and she was on for a while until. Uh, the comedy store made it so that you know underage people could be there no matter what. Oh, shit. So she had to wait a while and come back when she was 21. Gotcha. Okay. So she had a little gap there in the middle where you might have ca- kind of been in on. You guys, remember the girl that was there and we just cut back to it. I remember that they were telling me like every week she has to write a new 60 seconds. Yeah, new 60 seconds. What a great fucking act, uh, like I, exercise. I've taken that to myself. I've oh, it's that. so good. Do you have any like mini games you do like in, in terms of like In terms of writing better? stuff? Yeah. Um, I do a thing where like if, if something like sticks out, I play the what's the opposite game? Like, what's the opposite of this situation? Okay. And also, what's assumed? If I told you the story, what do you assume is next? Okay. And I play with that. Because most jokes are, I'm leading you this way, and then I take a left. Yeah. Where And you're like, oh, shit, you just took a I was going this way. Yeah. You know, that, like, that's most jokes are that idea of a misdirect. Um, so that's about as gamey as I get with my writing. I, I, I try to kind of... Um, in the last few months, I finally let go of writing every single word out of the joke. Yeah. Initially, now I just have the idea of it. This, the, I like an opening line to be kind of funny. Like Seinfeld talks about like his first line, he likes it to be funny. Uh, I don't like setting up premises by saying like, 
I was in the grocery store. You know, like I like I like to change it up a little bit so it's For not sure. so obvious that you could tell I'm starting a joke. Um, but then it, it's now where I, now I kind of will write on stage. And yeah. then, then when I feel like I've worked it all the way out, I will then write it out completely word for word. So like if I haven't said it in a while, I could come back and look to it um, and have it verbatim what I, how it should sound. And I've been trying, I don't have, I'm not good at it yet. Like if I record a set and let's say in my 10 minute set, I said one joke exactly how I want it to sound, exactly cadence, uh, every word of it was perfect. I will edit that joke out and place it to the side. And then I want to put together all my jokes like perfectly. Yeah, how uh, they should sound. Yeah, so like I could that's like smart. jump back and go, okay, this is what this joke should sound like. Because there's been so many times where I told it, I told a joke, does really well, and I come back to it and I keep bombing at it. I'm like, there has to be some reason. That's the weirdest thing. You can just say like, when it comes off so perfectly, it's like mm-hmm. a pitch, and you're mm-hmm. like, yes, right there. But then you're like, how the fuck? It's like I've, this intonation. I yeah. mean, there's so many little things. If you don't believe it, I know with me too, mm-hmm. if I'm phoning it in, mm-hmm. even like at a mic or over there, I can tell like when things you know work, you want to touch something up and you're yeah. just like, even like posture, if I'm leaning back, it's like, what? you know, I just, there's so many little variances that matter. This is translated from fighting where like, I've noticed that what I'm thinking about while I'm telling a joke can depend, can like help the joke or hurt it. Like if I'm thinking too much about the next joke, or thinking about something else, like imagery stuff for some reason, it kind of helps me. Yeah. Like like certain jokes um, have a, a flash memory to them. Like especially because I mostly talk about real stuff. Like uh, let's like I have a joke about uh, me not looking Hispanic and go, going to ESL classes without me knowing. And the image I have for that is very important because when I tell the joke, I feel like seeing that image in my head kind of pulls up emotions that I can't. I'm not an actor. I don't know how to fucking pull up emotions. But yeah. if I focus on the image of this one school in this one classroom that it was true and was real and I remember it, then it kind of helps the emotion of the joke come out. I can see that because it's like, uh, you know, the stories on stage are never as good as when you tell them the first time, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, are you a pen and paper guy or are you a typer? Type uh, guy? Pen and paper guy. Pen and paper guy. Fuck. I, the romance of the pen and paper I really like and mm-hmm. I do do it, but I'm like a typer because like my mind goes so quick. I can't. Oh. Now, do you have this problem too? Like, I just the, have a bad computer. I think I would. <laughs> oh, really? You're just like, fuck it. I'll do it. But like, do you have this thing too where like I noticed last night I was like really bad in sound this whole like week. And uh, actually, I woke up at 6 a.m. yesterday and went and climbed. I took a train upstate and went and climbed a fucking mountain. Huh. <laughs> I went to like Mount Beacon. Have you heard of that, Beacon Mountain? Uh, my brother was born in Beacon. No way. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. the first time up there, though. But like, so I couldn't weird. sleep. And I was just like, I had just watched that Betsy DeVos confirmation hearing the uh-huh. night before. And I was like, I got to go do something. <laughs> so I went all over the fire tower. Anyways, though, but like, do you have like, before you go to sleep, do you ever have that, like, you're like, oh, I'm ready to go sleep. And then you're like, oh, I just thought of something. And I got to get up and write it down before. That's it. usually where I have the most ideas. I know. It's right before bed where I kind of, like, everything's quiet. My eyes are closed. I'm laying. And, like, my mind starts not racing, but I start, like, kind of thinking about anything. And then, like, oh, that could lead this joke into this one. Yeah. This one line can get these two jokes together now. Now that's a chunk. Like that kind of stuff, a lot of times happens when I'm sleep when I'm about to go to sleep. The, the the ten minutes, and you have to catch it before it goes. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I used yeah. to be like, I'll think about tomorrow. I'm like, no, 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 grab your phone. Yeah, right I now, lose that shit. In. I can like feel it too, where it's almost like a ballet in my head, where I'm like, it's going, it's mm-hmm. going, it's leaving, it's leaving. Yeah. Get it down. Do you uh, do you have a girlfriend? Uh, no. Okay. So do you ever notice like if you're with civilians, particularly girls, like late at night, or whatever, like when you're in bed mm-hmm. afterwards, about to go to sleep, and you wake up to get on your phone and write something? Mm-hmm. Is it? 
it's really weird when civilians how fucking weird we are. Yeah. That's always so interesting. Do you, do you have that moment as well too, though? I've had it before. Where yeah. It's just like, what are you doing? It's like, oh, don't. Don't, don't worry. I can't explain it. It's writing how bad this experience was. <laughs> I had an idea about this time I went rollerblading in Florida and I fell funny. I Don't worry about it. It'll yeah, be funny. It's going to be funny in six months. This will be better. <laughs> just trust me. This will ripen up. Uh, one last thing before we leave here. Uh, oh, wait. I want to talk about your web series. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, let's start um, that. Well, no, that's not the last thing I'm going to talk about, but okay. let's start that, though, because I want to um, get into that. So, uh, I'm a vegan comedian. My best friend is Micah Brucey. He is also a vegan comedian. And Jess Lane is also a vegan comedian. And we're very close friends. And we have a web series called The Snack Boys, D A Snack Boys. And we just review vegan snacks. Um, I've heard people chant snack boys in yeah. the crowd. Like I'm telling, <laughs> I'm dead serious. If like, we walk into a room together, people are like snack boys. Yeah, <laughs> everybody fucking knows about the snack boys. Yeah. And so it's it's been really fun. It's silly. Now we're kind of sponsored by uh, this vegan grocery store called Haymakers in in Williamsburg. They oh, hook us up. that's funny. Um, what are you hooked up with? Like free, we free just get vegan stuff, food? Yeah, we, I just swing by and grab stuff that we could do for like the like we would just review it, so they just gave it to us. Oh, you do reviews? Yeah, yeah we just reviews. So. Oh my god, I love that. We sit like, on the couch and talk shit. And it's Mike's apartment, which looks like the basement in Wayne's world. Um, <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. Um, Jess edits and directs it, and she's on it quite a bit. She's, yeah. She's on about what, once every four episodes. Um, we started doing guests. We've only had one so far. Um, do, do, you, do you watch wrestling? Uh, do you know what? I, Brandon Scott Wolf's one of my really good buddies, and they're all so hyped on wrestling. I want to be a fan of it, but I'm not. Oh, yeah. So short I, answer, no. I'm not either, but the one guest we've had is my client and friend, uh, Zach Sabre Jr., who's like a professional wrestler. Oh, no and he's way. also vegan, so he's like the coolest dude in the world. Uh, where does he work out at? Do you know like, for like his wrestling stuff? Like, where does he like... Uh, for like when they wrestle uh, practice. No, I don't know. Because uh, Gleason's, the, the gym I box at where Eric's a trainer at. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you ever hear Gleason's? Yeah, yeah. Brooklyn? It's, very, they, it's I was, a very famous gym. Oh, yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, so <laughs> it's, it's weird. I don't know. But, uh, Have uh, you heard of the seller? Is <laughs> <it>? <laughs> All right, fair enough. Everyone, uh, like every once in a while when I'll be in there, mm-hmm. it'll be like really early in the morning, and then you're like, what the fuck's going on right now? Uh, and all the wrestlers come in. I don't, I don't know their names, but like, yeah, actually, I forgot to tell Brandon and like Matt Rain, those guys and stuff, but they uh, like, yeah, all the big names are in there. Nice. Like, uh but Chris Benoit's not, he wasn't there because no, he's, he's the one dead. that he's yeah. the one that murder suicide. There's a really funny joke <laughs> I heard the other day. No, it was like a few months ago back in uh, the Midwest that I heard about him. Something I, like I don't I don't want to bit the joke, but that's like, fine. That's Casey James has a really good joke on on Chris Benoit. Too. Yeah, it was like <laughs> something like uh, his family should have. Nah, I don't. Ah, it's, uh, don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. right. <laughs> it's just so. You, you can think of who said it. But he's it. the one that died, right? Uh, he yeah, he and killed, killed his family. Killed his family killed himself. Oof. Now, was that... On a Bowflex, I think. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Like, he hung himself up on a Bowflex, I think, was how he died. Wow. Yeah, pretty intense. On a Bowflex? Yeah, yeah. Live by the sword, die by the sword. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Shit. That's brutal. Yeah. Damn. Oh, uh, watch the Snack Boys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Watch the Snack Boys. And like, I'm, I'm grabbing a photo real quick. Boy, what's right before um, we get out of here, I want to ask you what I ask every comic. Uh, advice to new comics. Uh-huh. Other than... More stage time? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, Because okay. that's a dick move. It, it is, but it's, it's also th- right. No, so. it's totally right. But I just, Billy was, Prince I was just on here, and I was uh-huh. like, can you do anything? I was I like, no. Billy's so, so fucking funny. <laughs> He's, a He's my favorite. He was like, <laughs> I do his hand gestures when I'm just like sitting there talking to somebody, like as a joke. I'm like, mm-mm. I was excited <laughs> about Billy, though, but the other, I was thinking about this, and I was like working on like a new bit at Creek, and I was talking, and I like caught myself to the Billy with the uh-huh. two hands, and then I said, in my mind, I was like, I gotta take a walk. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's that take thing. A walk. So anyway, so what's that advice? Hey, what's up, Rose? How are you? Yeah, <laughs> bros. And uh-huh. I didn't know him until like when I didn't know him, he'd always start. I'm like, dude, this guy's oh, so great. funny. He's a treat. He's a treat. And um, like, it's, yeah. I guess. Okay. Other than the things I've already said, where I think it's if you're starting off, 
Think about who your favorite comic is, what's one of your favorite jokes, take a second, write it down word for word, look at it. Figure out why it's funny, figure out what words they emphasize, figure out how quickly they tell a joke, try to figure out, because to me, I think like magic is what is trying to be what comedy actually is. It, it's not a trick in, in, in the way that it actually, it gets results where it's just like, to me, like, it's the kind of thing where like, I could say these group, this grouping of words and I can get a visceral response from a human being. That's fucking magical. Where I think if you kind of try and take that away by writing it down and seeing how it's written, I think it could help you kind of um, figure it out for yourself. Um, so I'd say, I would say, you know, find your favorite comic, whatever it is, write their jokes down. Not all of them, but you know, write one, one down. Um, probably also kind of like get a hobby that's not comedy <laughs> do something so you're not it's so obvious to me when people that are that only do comedy it's like i think that idea of like doing as many mics as possible which is a very new york thing yeah is I'm is that. completely overrated i think yeah. early on do as many as you can so you could figure out what's an appropriate number for you to get yeah. the best out of i've learned now what I, what helps me the most i think too much screws me so that when I'm not at Mike's, I try to do cool things and, and, and go to different places and, and see as much of the world or experience as much of New York as I can and kind of put myself in places that life can give me jokes. Because it's so obvious when it's like, you're just writing too much. You're just you're just yeah. going so deep inside yourself. It doesn't make any, it's, it's, it's monotonous. It just it doesn't make any sense at the point. It's Keith Richards uh, documentary on Netflix. I just watched the other day for like the fifth time. But oh, he yeah? said that uh, about, they're talking about songwriting and he goes, I don't run around with a butterfly net. And I mean, that's Keith Richards, sure, obviously. Sure. So in comicism, you know, comedy is not like that. You can't write one song that'll pay the bills exactly. forever, though, you know. Um, but have but yeah. some respect to the fact that y everyone's not the same. Yeah. What works for someone else, their style is not going to work for you. And not even, I don't mean, I don't even mean like on stage style jokes. I mean, just how they live their life in terms of what gets the best results for them is not, doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So often I just see people like, how oh, many mics are you doing this week? It's like, 23 and like that's that's a high number sir yeah <laughs> i did eight when i first got here tonight once and then i was like i you know i'll do i go through spurts like between like four sure. and six you know bust down but then it was really funny because actually I, i'm really douchey i'm kill tony he's like how's new york because i just basically moved there at that point and i was like oh good he's like you get up i'm like yeah four times and i was like why the fuck did i say because i just bomb my minute why, mm -hmm. why you know it's like you can, just, you can take the words back but i've noticed that too if i do overkill i'll start it's like you're, yeah, you're doing eight in a night, but like no single person can focus that much energy. Because mind you, this isn't just for people that don't know. This isn't just showing up and doing comedy. No, yeah. This is waiting. Yeah. This is watching other comedy, mm -hmm. which you don't know what you're gonna get in New York or anywhere when yeah. it goes to a mic too. I was thinking the other day, like I probably watch, and I'm sure you are as well. Like very normal night to watch four or five hours of live comedy. Yeah. I mean, I hosted uh, the Pine Box open mic Wednesdays for about 14 months. Yeah. That's three hours every night. <sighs> Every one, every sorry, every Wednesday, watching seventy comics and yeah. just seeing and like it helped. It gave me a huge education. It helped me a lot because, uh, like, like the the best success I've had in comedy and I, I, what I consider at this point was Pine Box open mic when Casey James Salengo and Patrick Schroeder hosted it was the third open mic I ever did, and I bombed so badly and I didn't go back for a few months, and then I started going back and then they gave me the mic. Damn. I don't know why me. I, I, I thank them to this day because it forced me to be way better than I, I, I was. Yeah. Because I, I made myself start the mic off by doing new material in front of everyone. It's some of my peers 
look, yeah. like ready to go up. Like, all right, I, I, I put it on myself to, to use this as my biggest audience I'm going to get for a long time. That's a good point because that's the one thing that like I'll do any single show or mic in the world. Mm-hmm. But like if the host or people running it don't care. I'm not in. Like yeah. it's like there's nothing cool about not caring. I, I hate it so much. It's really when they're like, I don't know, we're here, you know. Uh, well, then leave. Then fucking quit. Get out of the way. Ah, oh, it'd be so much You're easier. You're wasting my time. Yeah, exactly. Or like you'll go through like you know, I'm just gonna like talk for five minutes and whatever, which is fine if that's the way you Finish write your though. Time, yeah. But if the entire time you're talking about how much it sucks and like, yeah, I, yeah that's really interesting to say. Oh, and then one thing too before, and I normally end with the advice part too. Sure. But uh, do you have this issue where, and again, you don't drink at all? No, I've been sober for a little over, like seven and a half years. I think, okay. At this point. So, okay. Do you find this thing where, because we're in clubs and shows and bars every night doing shows? Yeah, I'm in clubs a lot. Yeah. Imagine <laughs> clubs. Are, love the club scene. Yeah, um, go are, bananas this weekend. No. Yeah, hey, Cincinnati, <laughs> shout out. No. I love um, have you, um, do you find yourself, the more nights you're out and the more bars you're in or clubs or wherever, are you becoming less social as a person or does it affect you or does it not affect you at all? Uh, I'm not social really at all. Like okay. I'm not like into like I'm good socially. Like I, I think I'm a very charismatic person and I'm, yeah. I, I'm, I'm easy to be around and I'm, I like being around people, but like I've, my last seven years have been just working, Yeah. you know, like when I'm, I'm always working at something. So like when I'm not at a mic or not at a show, I probably is going to be at home alone. Yeah, I like my own time alone. I like to just like watch a movie or maybe do some writing and work out at home. Just I like my own alone time, um, but I'm not like a. Uh, I rarely like go hang out with non-comedy friends. I rarely just. I don't drink. I don't go to bars. I don't try to yeah. pick up girls. I don't. I, that's not what interests me. You know, my my interest is progress. My interest is is challenging myself, um, which makes me sound like a maniac. I understand that, but it, it's just what makes me happy. Well. I just think when people are like, especially new people, newer people like us in this, when they're like, well, what are you doing differently? There's like, if you, everything has a pedigree and mm-hmm. you look back in terms of like the sacrifices you're making to get better at your craft, mm-hmm. it might mean that being out at the bar every night till 530 yeah. in the morning. I just know for me particularly, like, it just seems like, and again, I'm older now too. I'm 34. But like, I remember in my young twenties being at the club bars, clubs, every not counting clubs, like, you know, yeah, d- yeah. douche clubs. Yeah. And, uh, as you get older, they become less, you know, less to you, you know, less important. But still, I like crowded places. I like seeing people uh, most time. But mm-hmm. since I started comedy, particularly like full time comedy, it seems like my idea of a perfect bar now is like an all black, like like just dark, barely any light, mm-hmm. like a booth with just close friends, mm-hmm. and that's it. Like no yeah. crossover though. And so I always try to ask people that though. Because uh, it's interesting. I think my brain is rotting, and that's what's happening. I'm just going <laughs> to devolve into some fucking monster. Uh, I can live with that. It'll be funny. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> or, or I'll have laugh ears and just be like yelling at people at the creek. Exactly. Yeah, oh, man. I, I can live with that. Yeah. Uh, where can they find you online? Uh, uh, find me on, uh, just watch the Snack Boys. Follow me on Instagram, Diego Lopez, but with a W. Uh, <laughs> How do you spell L- Diego Lopez with a W? Like low, L-O-W-P-Z. Oh, snap. All I'm right. very funny. Uh, <laughs> and Twitter is, is uh, Diego No Fun. I couldn't get my stupid. Yeah. Uh, there's too many Diego Lopez's. It's a really it was a weird burden. I have to, Max White, I have to compete against the fucking toothpaste. Oh, right. It sucks. Mm. Yeah. I, have to, I have like seven professional football players that compete against and they're oh, very yeah. good looking <laughs> yeah that, right? nah, that sucks well you should get a show name mm. could you ever get your, could you ever do a show name 
Uh, I could just probably add my middle name, I guess. Yeah. I was I, thinking about doing that because people... My name I, doesn't look anything like me now. So I think if I add... If I, where would I go? Would I just keep a Hispanic name or make a white name and lose my, who I am? You know, it's, it's a very weird... Yeah. Name. You could do the Jamie Foxx thing and just make a... What's the word for? Androgynous name. Do you know his name's Eric Bishop? No, I didn't know But that. he couldn't get on the open mics in LA. So Eric he, Bishop was a wrestling guy. <laughs> and he changed his name to Jamie Foxx because they couldn't tell if it was a boy or a girl. And when they're calling up open mics, they needed to keep it balanced. Pretty smart move. Yeah, they yeah. Think about it. I will it. also call myself Jamie Foxx. Yeah, do, do it. You can totally do it. You should do three X's instead of oh, two. Yeah. I think it'd be really good. <laughs> and drop two. Uh, so Snack Boys and then Snack Boys is all, it's YouTube, Vimeo, oh, YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. YouTube. Okay, cool. And then um, that's everything, man. Thanks so much yeah, for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, it. Max. I had a lot of fun. Uh, it was awesome. And then at, at this is Max White for editing social media. Uh, yeah, www.thisismaxwhite.com. Do you have a website? Uh, I have a fight blog. <laughs> a fight blog? Yeah, yeah. I've been keeping I it. I want to read it. Say it. What is it? Uh, WalkingAloneNYC. Damn. Dot com? com? Yeah, yeah, Oh, so you sprung for the dot com. Next. Oh, yeah. I paid you got it. To. $10. You didn't do the dot TV or like <laughs> some comic dot info? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's, uh, it's, I've been keeping it since I was like a blue belt. So like 2011. It's just like fighting videos. And, and I write little articles here and there. Things I, I think are good for fighting. And nice. If you're in the journey of martial arts. Um, but I have not been keeping up with it since, like, really trying to be funny. Oh. Um, but I check it out. And once I just thought about this, once, because uh, you're an instructor. Yeah. And so people want to take classes from Oh, yeah, you. yeah. I teach at Williamsburg Mixed Martial Arts. It's in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, next to McCarran Park. Uh, come check out a class. Let me choke you. Oh, dude. Can we do an episode where I just get choked by you? Sure. Not too hard, though. I, I, <laughs> you can come train, and then we could talk about it or whatever you I want. I feel weird using the word train. Like, I've been running, like, every day for, like, almost six or seven months now, uh-huh. but I refuse to call myself a runner. I just okay. go running. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid to do it. Like, no, no one's going to, like, hit you because of it, you know? <laughs> There's nothing to be afraid of. I just like tights, man. Oh, yeah. Dude. What do you wear when you go uh, train? Uh, if it's gi, I'll wear the kimono, the, the like, the Damn. Kind of, and then if we do no gi, it's just, like, board shorts and a t-shirt. What does Jericho wear? Uh, Jericho does no gi, so just a uh, t-shirt and board shorts. Man, I think we should do a Patreon page where we get Jericho the illest fucking gi. <laughs> I'm down. It would look so rad with this fucking taco meat coming out top. Yeah, yeah. All I, right, we got to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks. Max White, everyone. See something funny. It wasn't funny! I guess I'll just call it Max White Presents. I guess it's decent. Yeah, Max White Presents will work. <laughs>